Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the opportunity to be faithful to you, knowing that you will be faithful to us. Teach us from your word and from the experience and knowledge that Melissa can share with us today. And not only for our own benefit, but others that we may be able to help as well. So we thank you in Jesus' name. If you have a Bible or a phone app and you want to follow along with me, we're going to be looking at two Bible passages today that are connected. The first one is in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Jesus is going to illustrate with a story, two stories, I'm just going to use one of his stories. He's going to illustrate what it means to follow him. So if you're in Luke chapter 14, I'll begin with verse 25, a little background. What did Stephen Bohr say last night? I just got to find the background of the text. So verse 25, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, uh, I'll stop right there, because hate in our society is a bad word. Uh, in the Greek, it really just means to love less. So what he's trying to say is, um, if anyone comes to me and does not love his father or mother, wife or children, brothers or sisters, less, and even his own life, less than me, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That is the point that Jesus is making, that you have to deny self. You can't love anything else more than Jesus if you're going to follow him. And then he illustrates it with this next story. And so this is where we, we find the principle. Yesterday, we talked about debt is dumb. And Pastor Joel gave us several biblical foundations for that principle. It's not something that uh, Melissa made up. It's not something that Dave Ramsey made up. It's a biblical concept. But what about budgeting? <laughs> Is budgeting a biblical concept? So here's the story, verse 28. Jesus said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. I'm going to skip to verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So the point Jesus is making is, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to sit down and consider what does it take to be my disciple. If you're not willing to forsake all, then you're going to be in a mess when it comes to following me because you're going to come to a point where you're over budget in following me because it requires that you have nothing in your life that you love more than me. God has to be the number one priority. I want to take you back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This same principle that Jesus is talking about is found in 
Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5 and verses 4 and 5. It says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Same principle that Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 14. You need to consider the cost of what you're doing. Do you have enough to be able to cover it? If, if you don't, then don't do it. Uh, some of you know me pretty well, so you know that I got married a little bit younger age than uh, most people do today. In fact, we were done having kids at 26, and most people don't get married nowadays before they're 26. But we, we got married pretty young, and uh, for the first three months of our married life, we, my wife and I lived in a room in the basement of her parents' home. We uh, couldn't get our own place right away. It took us three, well, three and a half months, whatever, to get our own place. So during that time, during those three months, um, they didn't really charge us anything. We put in a little money towards food maybe or whatever, but they didn't charge us rent and utilities and all that kind of thing. And so I felt a responsibility that uh, if I was living in my father-in-law's house, that I should probably be responsible for what I was spending money on. So I got a, a little ledger. I still have it uh, in, in my memorabilia. <laughs> and I recorded everything that I spent money on even a pack of gum, <laughs> which back then was about 10 cents. Um, and I recorded everything. Then, uh, when I got out on my own, I realized that I better have a plan for paying rent and, and buying food and things like that. And I've never been one to say, well, let's go to the store and whatever we need to, to buy, we'll buy. We had a budgeted amount for groceries, a budgeted amount for utilities, a budgeted amount for everything. So I, I would list, and I still do, I still have a ledger book that I list my budget because we get paid once a month and so you've got to, you know, manage it for the rest of the month. And uh, envelopes are wonderful. <laughs> so we, we I, I have grocery week one, grocery week two, <laughs> you know, you can't touch week four until you get there. And uh, so have a, have a ledger and uh, list that all out. What's the first entry in my ledger? Tithe and offering. That's right. And so that comes out first. And then, then the other things like uh, uh, your house payment or, or your food or whatever it might be. So have a budget so that we know and can plan so that we don't get down towards the third week of the month and say, you know what? We did not allot enough money to build the tower of this month. The money is gone. Now, what are we going to do? Well, if that was the case, what would we do? We'd have to get a credit card out and, and, and uh, buy uh, basic essentials on a credit card. And, and that's a dead-end street. So I've learned the value of, of budgeting uh, at a very young age. It may be interesting, and I'm not going to steal your thunder, but it may be interesting 
uh, for you, and it's a little bit of what you, Melissa was talking about yesterday, to list some month everything that you spend money on. You may talk about that more <laughs> somewhat, but uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. So looking at the principle that Jesus gave us here, he said, you don't begin to build unless you have counted the cost. And so as we consider our financial affairs, we need to, as Jesus has directed, we need to have a budget. So we know how much our, our expected income is, what our expected expenses are, and if we see that our expected expenses exceed our expected income, what do we have to do? We've got to pare some things down and, and do some budget cutting and say, do I really need this or do I just want this? Maybe we have beans and rice uh, a little more often than we have chocolates and whatever it might be. And so we, we have to budget those uh, kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to today and Melissa taking these biblical principles and making it practical for us today. So without any further talk on my part, we're going to turn this microphone over to Melissa and uh, let her tell us why and how budgeting is better. Well, I am even more excited than I was yesterday because I got one seminar under my belt. So I feel much better today than I probably did yesterday. That and the slideshow was up and running 20 minutes before we started, not 20 minutes after we started. So yay for technology working today. Um, I'm going to flip this switch here. I think we, think we can all see that well enough. Good. Well, today we are building a little bit off what we did yesterday. We aren't going to totally review the fact that debt is dumb. I think that is pretty self-explanatory. Most of you were here yesterday. But what we're going to talk about today, keep in mind that now we're at a phase where we are, when we start working on budgeting, it is with the idea that we are not going to go into debt any further and we are going to work to get ourselves out of debt. So the key really when we talk about yesterday that debt is dumb is not going any further into debt, right? Like let's, let's stop, stop the bleeding so that we can now keep moving forward. So one of the things yesterday that I didn't bring up and I just kind of wanted to share this because... This was probably the first money book that I ever read, and I got it from my parents. Um, has anybody ever heard of um, Ed Reed and the book It's Your Money, Isn't It? I read this a long time ago. I know it sat on my parents' shelf, and all I remember is there's a story about like the Smiths and the Joneses and their mortgage and how one paid off every seven years and had a big house, and the other people were in mortgage debt forever. Um, but I think even just from that simple principle the title that it's your money, isn't it? It's not, it's kind of a rhetorical statement. It's not our money. And so everything that we're talking about this week is being good stewards and money managers for God. If somebody puts you in charge of their business and, and God has put me in charge of a business that I need to be a good steward of that. I have limited funds when it comes there. I need to manage that. I am responsible now for team members. And some of them, they are literally the main provider for their family. And so there is this extra sense of responsibility and burden that I now have in taking care of them. And so 
this, we are managing this money for God. And so what we're going to talk about today, which I think is just so much fun, but I'm a nerd, right? So I'm a money nerd. I love this kind of stuff. Um, you can make fun of me if you want. That's okay. I'll joke with you about it. Um, is we're going to talk about budgeting. And one of the things that we're going to come at from this is it's really all about planning. This is all about making decisions before we spend our money. I think what gets mis misconstrued when we talk about budgeting is it's an after-the-fact discussion. It's, and certainly no offense to you, Pastor Jean, it's not where we, it's not keeping track of where we spent it. It's making that decision ahead of time of where we're going to spend it. So the big thing, I liked this quote a lot, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. I struggle. I, I think this is um, something that surprises like the, my team sometimes in the office. Is I have great goals, but a goal is no good unless you write it down. A goal has to be measurable. It has to have a deadline, and it has to be specific. And so we're going to start on that path today in giving you practical things on setting those goals. And that's why we're going to go back to starting with our why. Who wasn't here yesterday? Hand these out. This week, as we're talking through our financial responsibilities, anybody else not here yesterday? Let's squeeze around. As we are starting with our why. And at the end of each meeting, we're giving you a chance to reflect on what we talked about today. And that by the end of the week, as we've talked through all our different topics of the week, debt and budgeting and saving and planning and giving, that you'll be able to take that, that worksheet home and you can go, oh, these are my takeaways from camp meeting. How do I then take what I learned and start applying that to my life? So that we want to make sure that after this week, you are, are more equipped to serve God in your finances. So going back to why, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, I'm reading this book by Simon Sinek. Um, it's a business book, but it all starts with Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, um, which starts, it talks about businesses and the businesses that do well start with a why, not a what or a how, it's the why. So yesterday I shared, I have, I have a business why, I realized I have a mission why, I just realized that this morning, and I have a personal why. So my business why is that I think living, I'm a physical therapist, by the way, for those of you who weren't here yesterday, I think that living in pain is a lie, and I think that God made our bodies to be healed, and I think that we can live well into whatever years of our lives pain-free. Secondly, missionally-wise, I think that same thing applies. I think that money is a blessing. I think that God gives it to us to help others and that there shouldn't be pain associated with money. Money is just is, is amoral. It's, it's just a level of currency. It doesn't have any value unless we place it on there. Thirdly, and this, was, this really is our personal why, is that it's very important in our family that our boys are raised um, in Christian education, which is really important to us. And we're in the process of buying a home so that they can be in the country and be able to go out, out into the backyard by themselves and run around and play. That's our personal why and why we work so hard for them. All right. Anybody want to share after yesterday? Anybody have a why they want to share when they think about their personal finances that they came up with? One or two people, anybody willing to share after, after we talked about that yesterday? No? Still working on that? 
Okay, that's okay. I just thought I would ask if anybody was willing to share. So let's jump right into it. Okay, so what is a budget? Kind of already talked about this. A budget is a plan. It is something that we do in advance. Ben Franklin has a lot of great quotes. This one's a great one. By failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. So it just doesn't happen. I don't just get my, my check deposited. I don't just have money just coming in. And I just randomly, it goes places and I'm, and at the end of the month, I'm not going to suddenly have all this extra money to give or to save or any of those kind of things. It has to be very, very specific. Okay, so what should go on your budget? All right, I have a couple handouts today, and we're going to talk through this. I hope that there's lots of questions today, um, because I want to know what you... Um, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I am. It's a real thing. Um, and so this is copied out of the back of a, a Tony Modern Makeover book. I have a much simpler budget, which I will hand out here in a second to give you a couple of options. This is three pages long and includes about everything that you could possibly put on a budget. That's why it is very long. Everybody got one? So I hope that someday your budget's not three pages long. <laughs> All right. So if you take a peek at this. Right. <laughs> I like that response. Wow. Three pages of possible expenses. Now, page three, if you flip ahead there, this, this, this is what we build off of yesterday, right? I hope nobody's filling page three at home or that, Lord willing, and with discipline, you will eliminate page three, right? All right. So let's talk through this, okay? Let's talk through what should be on our budget. Pretty much everything, okay? It's a really tough thing. There shouldn't be surprises. A budget is something that you make as a plan. I'm going to skip ahead here because I think. All right. So budgeting, what we're going to do with budgeting is we're going to take some time, especially if you're married, you need to do this with your spouse. Right? That's, that's the most profound statement up there, which I, admittedly, I, I'm a nerd, right? I'm a saver. My husband is not. He is more free-spirited. He trusts me to do it. He would, he would be happy just to hand that off, except for that's not what's important in our marriage. And what happens is when we aren't connecting, when we're not talking to each other, when we're, we're, we're too busy or the kids have been sick or something's been happening and we don't connect on this, it creates a lot of stress in our marriage. Because what happens is I then take it on, I take that responsibility on myself and then I get stressed out. I don't speak kindly to my husband. I can own that. Um, I worry about what's going to happen next instead of doing that with him. God gives us our spouses to us, for those of you who are married, to walk through this with us. And if you're not married, God can give you an accountability partner, a friend, a, maybe a parent. That's not always the best, you know, to have your parent guiding you through that. But somebody that you trust who you can be accountable to. Budgeting is a before activity, not an after. This is something that we want to do. We want to spend our money before it even comes into our checkbook. 
or before you cash the check or before you make the money. It is all about before. And the key to all of this, which builds on what we said yesterday, is the word no. No is not a bad word. No is a good word for my kids. It is also a good word in my budget. Because the biggest problem with my budget isn't what's on paper. The biggest problem with my budget is me. We are in a very selfish, self-centered society. And it's very hard. I can. My husband and I did not get married as early as Pastor Jean did. <laughs> and... When you are living on your own and making your own money and making your own decisions, you don't answer to anyone as an adult. And so combining that and making those decisions together is much harder because we want what we want and we want it now. That is our society, right? Have it your way. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other slogans that we have thrown at us every day, right? I want it. I want it now. That's how a two-year-old acts. <laughs> That's how a four-year-old acts. Right? I want this food and I want it now and I don't care who gets mad at me. I don't hear, you know, I scream and throw a fit on the floor. There are grown adults who throw fits and tantrums. If you've ever seen it, it's really, really sad. Um, because we have been so trained to get what we want and to want it now. And what, what we're saying is, we're gonna, you get to spend your money however you want. That's the great thing about a budget. Um, I was told once, this is, this is pretty great. I, um, was it, I'm too far into debt to have a budget. I, I, I can't have a budget because I'm in debt. And I, uh, and I think I had the, probably the biggest eye roll I've ever had of my life um, because what that person needed more than anything was a budget. Um, but what happens is we, we don't want to tell ourselves no, so we just keep spending. We just keep Swiping that card, we just keep whatever cash is in our wallet has no name. We just keep letting that stuff go. And I'm saying there's real great peace in making that plan. So let's talk through the stuff on here, all right? And what I kind of want to do is let's prioritize the budget to give you kind of some direction um, on spending that money, okay? So I kind of came up with the idea... We'll keep this simple. My handwriting's probably going to be a terrible today. Again, recovering perfectionist. Um, all right, so top priorities in your budget, okay? What are the things, let's say you only have a, a limited amount of money, right? You have a fluctuating income, um, you may get laid off, those kind of things. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through the things that you would spend first and how we're going to prioritize that. Because I want you to walk away with, oh, okay, if I'm struggling because I have three pages worth of stuff, what can I do? So what do you think are the top? What's, what's an absolute necessary thing we should be putting in our budget? <laughs> yes. All right. Shelter, right? We need a place to live. W water meaning food. Utilities. Okay. Yep. Yes. Right. As Christians and... Bible believers, we think that, right, that becomes our first thing in our budget. And food. Exactly. Food, clothing, shelter. Well, clothing is the other thing that often comes up. Although, I don't think that's a level one. I think most of us have more clothes in our closets than we could possibly need. And, and I think we spend more money on clothing than we probably need. These are um, personal challenges. And... 
there's access to lots of clothes. Basic necessities, right. Yes, I mean, if, you, if your child's, you know, running through his shoes, he probably needs a pair of shoes, but I'm probably going to throw it over here. Okay, do you think that? You absolutely, absolutely have to have a card here. I, I'm going to say to live. I'm gonna, I, I think that, personally, I'm going to put gas over here. Yes, I think we need transportation, right? Transportation. Right. But we're going to spend our money here first, right? Because this, we're going to start here. We're going to make sure that we have a place to live. We're going to make sure that we have shelter. Now, let's come back here a second, okay? I want to talk about utilities. Now, this category, there's a lot of things that fall under utilities. <laughs> right? Now, depending on where you live, right, if you have a well or city water, those are different things. Um, if you have gas versus a propane tank, those kind of things. But utilities can also include, right, your phone, they can include cable, they could include other things that are not necessary. So let's just say that, right? These are not necessary. Now, I, I talk to parents all the time, and I was just told this, somebody else, that it was necessary for their child to have a cell phone. Now, whether, I'm not here to debate whether or not kids should have cell phones. That is not at all where I'm headed with this. I, what I am talking about is the difference between a need and a want. That's what we're talking about today, okay? We're talking about what is what we really need versus what we really want and everything kind of in between, okay? Now, again, going back to this, budget is very personal, and how you decide to spend your money is totally, again, between you, your spouse, and God, or you and God, or you and your accountability partner and God, okay? If you want to spend $1,000 a month on going out to dinner, but you, that's up to you, right? If you make $100,000 a month, that would be no big deal as a percentage of your world, right? Um, however, if you're only making $5,000 a month and you're going out to eat every single meal, that might be an issue, right? So that's where, keep in mind, a lot of these things really come down to percentages, okay? Um, I, I, from a practical perspective, okay? But we know that we need a place to live. We, we also as I like to call them, first world problems, right? We have clean water, we have, we have indoor plumbing, right? I mean, if you really want to get crazy, you could say, well, indoor plumbing is not necessary because you could probably install, if you live in the country, you could have an outhouse, right? Again, I'm not nitpicking those things, but I'm saying we're talking about those priorities. And for sure, food, and again, we're going to put this right at the top, okay? So now, let's talk through things that are... These are, these are musts, right? We absolutely must have this, okay? Next, yes, we need transportation. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that one bit, um, but we don't need transportation. Let me, let me step back here one second. Depending on what degree and how tight your budget is, these numbers become stricter or looser, right? So if you're living on a really tight budget right now because page three is full, for example, right? We've got a lot of debt that we're carrying right now. We're trying to get out of debt. Some of these areas, we're going we're gonna to cut back as much as we can. So maybe that's not driving to the beach to go see the sunset because we're going to save on gas. Uh, maybe our gas becomes just getting back and forth to work, right? Because that is, that is absolutely a priority. Um, 
But transportation, that becomes a different conversation because do you need to drive the car that you're driving? I don't know. Again, none of this is up to me, right? I'm not making that decision. Um, but that's where if getting out of debt, if we go back to yesterday, is your top priority because what we're going to talk about tomorrow uh, on Friday, which is all about giving and serving, how fast do you want to get there? We talked about that yesterday. Um, that we want to, if we're in debt, we want to get out of debt in 18 to 24 months. We want to do that quickly. Okay, so what else would we put here? What else is, right, so this is a must. We're turning, you know, then the next thing on our budget, right, we're not even going to put any of the wants on here at this point. Um, so we've got clothing, we've got gas. What else do you think you would put on here? Education. I'd say that's a priority. That's something we're paying um, either once a year or every month. Okay. So is that, so the, um, are we talking, when we talk about medical, there's a couple different ways that I look at that. Is that planning ahead? Insurance, right? Like insurance, um, like a, are you talking about like an HSA and a flex kind of a thing? Perfect. <laughs> I do in my world. <laughs> so, it, so one of the uh, as um, as a physical therapist and as a business owner in healthcare, I like to say I'm an expert in insurance by default. I never expected to know as much about insurance as possible. But since you brought it up, I think this is a great area to go. And this is really going to come in tomorrow when we talk about savings. Um, actually, we're going to talk about it a little bit today too. So yes, having your health insurance, super important. Absolutely. Um, we have larger deductibles than we did before. 2014, things really jumped through the roof, and they're projected to keep going up unless something changes. I'm not counting on the government to change, but fingers crossed. Um, so these are health savings account and flex, flexible spending accounts. So there's something that you can put money into um, monthly or yearly or whatever, to spend your medical bills out of, and what you end up doing is you save your tax break. So your money goes a little bit farther. So for round numbers, say you're in the 20% tax bracket, and you put $1,000 into your flexible spending account, it's more like $1,200, right, that you're getting to use, because um, you're not paying taxes on that money. So taking advantage of those when, of course, you're in a position to do that, right? Because if, if we're trying to get out of debt, these things are great, right? And in our situation, which we're actually going to talk about, that's our, my story to share today, um, how important these things are because life happens. And rather than borrowing money to manage medical bills, we're planning for that because we have four-year-olds, six-year-olds, ten-year-olds that break arms and fall out of trees. And, you know, we, we can almost plan on our kids getting sick or, you know, needing medical care. So, yeah, so I would absolutely say insurance, super important to make sure that we're doing that. Anything else that we think is kind of on this list? Car insurance. Okay, yes. So that's true. Let's break that up, right? So we've got medical. We've got car insurance. Home. Auto. And I would even say life. Oh, I did say. There we go. Car, auto, same. Any other insurances that are necessary? I would say that then starts, right? We'll put it on here, but again, when we're starting to, to spend our money out, 
So when we start to spend our money, so say we have, you know, say we get $2,000 a month, okay? We're going to spend that out in a level of priority. So what's our top, you know, top priority first, and then we're going to spend that down. Um, so what happens, what gets people into trouble, is they spend all their money, and then all of a sudden their mortgage payment is due. And they have nothing left. And you say 2009, 2010, people got kicked out of their homes because they paid American Express, but they didn't pay their home. Now, they owed both, right? Let's be very clear that when we borrow money, we owe what we pay. I'm sorry, we pay what we owe. Um, but that's where we didn't, people aren't, we're not, we're not prioritizing where our money goes. We run out of money for the things that are the most important. And that's where even, just as we're going through this exercise and we talk about it, this could be different for every family. But when you have limited funds, or you're not having extra at the end of the month based on what your expenses are, you want to make sure that we take care of what's most important first, okay? That we're going to take care of what we really need, then what we need next, and then lastly comes in the other stuff in our budget. What are some of the, so some of the other things might be, there you go, household, right? Household maintenance and supplies. What else did we say? Phones, yes, right? We can, shockingly, people lived without phones for a long time. I still think a phone is a necessary tether sometimes. Um, what else would you put on this as your priority? that you would prioritize car repairs, personal products, yes. Eventually you're going to want some soap. Planning, and I like where we're going with a lot of this stuff, is we're talking about things that we may not need right now, but when we talk about car repairs and insurance and stuff like that, those are important things that prevent us from having to deplete our emergency fund or those kind of things. Um, yes, exactly, right? In some situations, it is necessary to have that at home. It would be something that may not start, we start to have that conversation, need or want. Each family has to make that decision. Yeah. We're going to move out to the country <laughs> where internet is very spotty, right, Rachel? And I often need that for work, so I'm not sure what's going to happen, or I'm just going to work less from home, like, that might actually be a better plan. But that, again, goes back to planning. If I'm not going to be able to do work from home, then I'm going to have to make sure I plan better so that something doesn't become an emergency. What was that? Or when I'm at work, be really at work and work really, really hard so that when I'm at home, be at home and not have to work, right? And setting those boundaries. But that's a whole other different discussion, right, where, we're, where we become good budgeters of our time, which becomes an extension of how we are good with our money. And that's where all of this um, starts to become a discussion on discipline. Before, um, before we officially met this morning, the conversation was kind of started to talk about um, how when we start to give more to God, um, when we start giving of offerings, how we start to make different decisions because we're connecting with God differently. And um, Joel had mentioned you know, not picking up the pop and the bag of chips at the gas station. And as we continue to make good decisions and we connect closer to God, what came to me was 
We're no longer needing to fill our lives with stuff, right? I no longer need food to make take away my stress. I no longer need TV to numb my brain. I no longer need these other things because I'm having genuine relationships with people, with God, and because my life is not in stress. And I think that's, when we start talking about money, it, it becomes very monetary. It's about the stuff. It's about what we do. But it's really just a reflection of our priorities of our life. And that's why today is taking away those tools. So three pages is a lot. I want to show you. I'm going to pass these down. So I, oops. I am sharing. And I realize there's a couple of things on here that I'm like, oh, I just made it personal. You're going to see something on my budget <laughs> that my husband and I agreed on that I can spend money on. <laughs> so um, as they're passing these out. So this is. I went ahead and made our own budget um, because the three-page budget didn't work for us, right? This is too much stuff. It's coming. Okay, so I simplified it. Um, I actually made it even more specific so I would remember when some things go out, when things are processed through. So um, at the top, and if, if anybody wants this in a... In a um, in a Word document, you can let me know afterwards and I can email it to you. And then you can tweak it and modify it if you like. But that's where starting with this kind of option gets you going. Um, did you find it? Did you find the thing? That's... The massages, yes. I love a good massage. Although I have not had one for six months because I've not been able to make time for it. But there's an envelope for it. <laughs> and I save for that. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so at the top, we broke down. We have a couple of different places that our income comes from in our family. So that varies each month. And let me say, when we are really disciplined, and, and in our family, if we're really doing this well, we're actually taking the income from last month and spending it on this month. So think about that. Not just living paycheck to paycheck, but what did we make in May? We're going to spend in June. So I can take then the income from the previous month spend it over the next month. So no, no longer am I just waiting for that next paycheck to come in to cover the stuff that's this month. I'm working ahead, okay? Now, that's a process. That's not something that you can just start out with right away. If you're, if, if you're starting to cut up credit cards and you're eliminating debt and you're used to paying for last month, next month, right? That's what, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, again, about moving forward. I forget that. I've been asked that question over the years. Um, what was it like when you kind of transitioned? Well, that was... 13 or 14 years ago that I used my last credit card. It's harder to remember that pain, but I remember I'd cut up my cards. I'll say it was June, right? I'd cut them up. I spent everything in May, so I had to pay for that in June, plus what I was doing in June. And so that transition can be really hard because you're actually paying for a couple of months all in the same month when you kind of do that. But what happens is, is you're no longer paying for what you did last month, this month. You're paying for this month, this month. Does that make sense? Okay, so breaking down your income, right, so you know exactly how much money. Now, for those of you that, um, if, you're, if you're budgeting what you comes in this month, that's fine. It's going to be kind of an estimate. You should know roughly what that is, and, we, and, and you can revisit this throughout the month. This is not, you know, this is not written in stone, and 
brought down off the top of the mountain, and this has to be exactly what you follow for the month. It's it's a living, breathing document that you should work through the month. Yes. You have to keep adjusting exactly right because we're going to plan ahead where that money goes. And things change. There's stuff that happens. So the next section for us then is tithes and offerings. What we've decided to do in our house, and again, what I'm talking about this week is just a reflection of what we have learned. Um, what every family decides to do is different. But I love that God has directed us to do things as far as a percentage goes because it eliminates my opportunity to use my brain and make a mistake. I um, We have a special project in our church for our church school fund, and we have allocated a percentage amount towards that fund, not $20 or $50 or $1,000 or whatever that would be. It's a percentage. And what we have seen is when we made that commitment, that dollar amount keeps going up each month. Because I don't have to think about, I'm just going to write $50, right? Every time I, every month I'm going to put 50 bucks into the, which would be great, right? Because we would like everybody to be giving the school building project. However, when I do that as a percentage, I can just move that decimal point, there it is, fill up my tie envelope, automatic. And we've done that, so if you're giving to a special mission project or something like that, if that is a systematic part of your budget, put it on there. It's great because then you go, okay, and I've deleted some of these details, right? Because what we decide to do is personal to us. So then next we have savings and retirement. So for us, um, like I said, we're buying a house. So we were, we, our goal was to put so much money into savings each month. And then um, we are automatically giving to retirement. Okay. But we, as we mentioned, are out of debt. Okay. I would highly, you need to get out of debt first before you start planning for the future. Clean up your past before you look towards your future. Then we split it up into utilities, okay? These are the utilities that we pay at home. Some of those are required. Some we could probably eliminate, okay? But we're in a position, this is, this is what our budget looks like right now. So, and I, because I just kind of want to know this, these are the, the months that those things come out. Or the dates, I'm sorry, the dates that those things come out. Then we have... Gas, which is a priority. We do not have a car payment, right? So otherwise that might be in there. And then I love cash envelopes. They are my favorite. Um, and admittedly, we have fallen off the cash envelope wagon for a couple of months. That happens. But you get back on and you try different things. So we have... And if I put the massages in there, right? I didn't fill that one out. <laughs> um, I think I do eight envelopes a month. Now, didn't start out with eight envelopes a month. I think we started out with groceries, blow money, and entertainment. Okay, I think that's what we started out with. Now, entertainment for us is going out to eat or do, doing something fun. Now, when you decide to do something fun as a family, when you look in the envelope and there's only $10 left and your family goes, we're going to go somewhere, and you're like, nope, we're not, okay, because we spent it all already. It gives you, we talked about, no, it's really easy. Nope, I can't do that because we've already spent it. Now, it doesn't mean that you couldn't reset your budget at that point if it was important enough to you, but you're not, you're going to take from another area and you're going to say, well, then we're not going to spend as much money in this area to do that. Exactly, exactly. 
or you say, I'm not going to order a beverage because that's $3 <laughs> and we'll order something that costs less on the menu because we are limited in what we can spend, which is what cash gives you. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Um, the blow money envelope is, uh, I'd say it's a marriage saver. <laughs> I think this is a great envelope. Um, we pull the cash out at the beginning of the month. So we don't pull it out every week. Um, I would forget to do that. So we have specific amounts. It's been the same amount for years. But if my husband wants to go do something with his friends or he wants to buy a new baseball bat, that's actually happened. He saves his blow money over a couple of months. Um, if I want to buy scrapbooking supplies, <laughs> I have the blow money. So it allows you to do whatever you want with that, okay, and you can save it. It's individual, right? I used to eat out a lot, and then I became allergic to a bunch of food, so I don't think about my blow money as much. So I'm going to be able to do more fun things other than just eat. So that's what I always like to do. That's change. Groceries. So this is the one that's probably the hardest, I would imagine, for most families. Because I think, my guess is we don't think about how much we actually spend each month on food. That would be my guess, right? If you're, if you're in the traditional habit of using, whether it's your debit card or your credit card, you just go to the store, you fill your cart, and you buy it, and you swipe it, and you just go home, okay? What this does that forces you to maybe plan a little bit more, to set some boundaries, I love the cash envelopes because it gives me permission to spend. As a saver, I, I, I have a tendency to be all or nothing. So I want to spend a bunch, or I don't want to do anything. And the massage envelope, as we talked about, gives me permission to say, I can do that. But I'm not going to do it every week, but I might be able to do it once a month, and I can decide how I want to spend that money. So when it comes to the grocery envelope, this is going to be the thing that you're going to, you're going to probably play with the most. We have found um, what I think is a pretty sweet spot on that number of what, about what that is. But I was in denial for a couple of years because I thought that we could feed our whole family on like 200 bucks. And I'm very frugal, and I use a lot of coupons, and that was not enough. <laughs> so we, so I had to, because what would happen is I'd spend it all, and then I'd go, oh, let's pull a little extra out. Or I would use the debit card because you get to the end of the month, right? Because I wasn't as disciplined. Um, which, which just tells you, again, I'm not perfect at this stuff. This is, this is a living, breathing, growing area for us. So that's something to figure out, because I've also heard stories where, um, the husband who may not know what, it, it depends on who buys the groceries in your house, right? Like, say there's the husband and he doesn't buy the groceries. and like, what? You need $600 a month? No, you can do this on $200 a month. And then he's like, why is there no food in the house, <laughs> right? So it's something that you need to kind of play around with it. It's something, too, there are times of the year that we spend more in this, right? So if we're going to take advantage of the Apple Valley Camp Meeting Sale, we might go, we're going to put a couple extra $100 in there just buy for the year. Yes. So yes, yeah, so we're in a position where we're debt-free, and I can go to the bank at the beginning of the month and fund all of these envelopes, okay? And as I said, we started out with just a couple of envelopes, okay? Over the years, we added car repairs. We added household repairs, because stuff, you know, those appliances puke on you. Um, and then recently, we added a gifts envelope, okay? Because we wanted to plan ahead, right? But if you're in a position, and kind of come back to this, you're in a position where you're trying to get out of debt, you want to minimize your budget and make it as simple as you can. So what do you need to spend money on, okay? 
Um, and that's where it's going to be food, clothing, shelter, supplies and offerings, right? Making that our top priority, going through those things, and then spending down to the rest of that, and then working that debt snowball we kind of talked about yesterday. Because you want to get out of that as fast as you can. Is that, is that answered enough? What? I think it's good. All right. So did everybody hear what Pastor Jean had to say? That's a really good question. Because um, I, I think it is going to be an individual decision, right? How serious are you about getting out of debt? That's going to be that question. If you are so sick of it and you're like, we're going to get out of it, we're going to do it in a year, you want to do it with that gazelle intensity. That's a Dave Ramsey term because we, we want to do it as fast as we can, full forward. So yes, if you can do that. However, what gets people in trouble, and this is the reason why I, I'm on the fence about it, is if you're so stressed out and you've not allotted any wiggle room in that, it's not going to be, you know, if, it, if there's $20 in the blue envelope, what will happen is there may be this point where you've reached, you're past that point of stress, and then you go spend $120, okay? So uh, I've actually had that discussion um, with a young couple recently that said, you know, I want to get out of my school debt, and I want to do all these kind of things, and no dates and no dinners, and is newly married and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yes, but it's okay to spend a little bit, right? You've got to give yourself some margin, um, and especially... If you're the nerd and you're married to the free spirit, that free spirit's going to probably need a little bit, would be my guess, because I, I would give yourself some freedom to do that. Now, that's going to, now the great thing about the budget is it's going to change every month. And you're going to see what happened last month. Did we do a good job? Did we stay within that? No, we totally blew the budget. We lost control. Okay, you can reset every month. That's the great thing about a budget, is you can reset every 30 days, go back over it. Okay, we struggled in this area. Um, and making sure that you're hearing both voices because one member of the team may not like going out to eat at all. And the other one, it might be, oh, it's so great to do that and wants to go on a date and go out to dinner and all that kind of stuff. And the other one's like, oh, I don't care. We can have peanut butter sandwiches and stay home and sit on the deck. <laughs> so I think it's there's got to be that element of compromise um, because, I think it's multifaceted. I think it, it comes down to your marriage. I think it's those kind of things. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer there. But I think it comes back to how much do you pay the debt? How much, how quickly do you want to get out of it? And what are you willing to sacrifice? And some people are willing to sacrifice some things faster than they are other. It's probably the thing that's the most important to their spouse. <laughs> sure, honey, I'm happy to sell all your tools. So we can get out of debt, right? But I want to keep my X, Y, or Z. So, so again, yes, right? So when we look at our budget, it's a little bit different. We found out as we got through that process and paid off our house, and as things would pop up, there was different things we needed to do. The car repairs, I will tell you, also saved our marriage because my husband would come to me every month and something needed to be fixed. And it was a couple hundred bucks here and a couple hundred bucks there. And I was like, didn't we just spend $400 last month to fix this? And so what we did is we said, well, let's put a couple hundred dollars a month in an envelope. And when you need to fix something, you just go fix it. <laughs> and then I, and then we've planned for it and we're working ahead. But again, we're at a, at a phase where we're working ahead, not bringing things current. Okay. So there's different things that we have implemented because it has improved communication. 
which kind of goes back to that question that you had answered. And it has allowed us to fight that, which I think is really important in our marriage. So um, so that, this is ours. Everybody's budget's going to look a little, a little bit different. And again, why we gave you the three-page so that you have a reference point if you need to start with something like everything. So, so because what will happen is you'll start to do your budget and you'll go, oh, I forgot we have this. Because <laughs> that either hits, you know, that hits as an electronic funds transfer or the bill comes in the mail and you forget it. So then just sit down and revisit those kind of things. Okay. All right. So I like a paper budget. I'm still old school like that. I know people who use Excel spreadsheets I, as a proactive way. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Excel spreadsheet. Um, keeping track of where you've spent it. Remember, we want to plan and spend it ahead of time. Um, Dave Ramsey does have a tool, everydollar.com. I've tried it. doesn't speak to me. I don't like, I, I like paper. That's just me. Um, and envelopes are another tool for that. You had a question or a comment. Yes. So let's tie that to what we talked about yesterday. So yesterday we talked about listing your debts, um, listing them all out, and then listing them in amount from smallest to largest. So when it comes to your budget, what you're going to do is you're going to pay your minimum payment on all of those. Stay current. And if you're not current, bring them current, okay? Make sure you're paying all your bills. Don't get, don't get behind. Don't, somebody said yesterday, don't rob Peter to pay Paul, okay? Just because their credit card company calls, hang up, <laughs> right? Like, don't let them yell at you, okay? You just stay current on everything, and then... Pay what? So at the end of the month, you want to get. So um, I've heard you advocating for a zero-based budget, meaning spend every single dollar on paper. What I have done is I spend everything out, and then whatever's left, then we decide what we're going to do with that. So that either yes, that would go if you're in debt, that would go on your debt, right? And you're going to put that on the smallest one to knock that out, because the idea again, as we talked about this yesterday, is you want to. See some momentum in crossing out the smallest debt. So say you have a $50 medical bill paid this month. Great. Now I don't have seven debts. I have six. And then you roll the payments that you were paying on that one into the next one. And you pay the next debt off as fast as you can while making minimum payments on everything else. You get to cross that one. Oh, great. Now we went from seven to five. That's where you start to see that. So you're looking at the number of, as I kind of said yesterday, chains that are hanging around your neck, and you get to remove those. Oh, I'm not carrying that on my back anymore. Oh, there's the next one. And you keep rolling that into that. Then what happens is when you then get all of your debts gone, then that money, as we free that up, that becomes, now we get to start to work towards savings and retirement and paying off that house, which I love, those kind of things. Yes. Okay, so the question was, how much, what percentage of your household income should be your payment? So I'm going to, so we are right now, yes, for a house payment. Um, so we're in the process of getting a mortgage and they are willing to take, this is, this is the government. Okay. This is, will just blow your mind. Um, <laughs> I just can't even believe this because last year they wouldn't count my income because I'm self-employed and have a zero credit score. My husband has a credit score because of a house he owns with his brother, which is a whole other story. Um, they were willing to give us a mortgage of a monthly payment that would be 45% of his gross income. Did you catch that? 
not mine, but yeah. but I, my yes, but still, if if they assume that I don't make money or whatever, <laughs> right? But they are willing to. So even if they counted my income, they would be willing to give us combined forty five percent of your gross <coughs> income, not after taxes or health insurance or whatever, and that forty five percent. That's insane. <laughs> there is nothing, which is what has got, when we, if we go back 10 years ago, which is what got everybody in trouble, right? We, we got more house than we could afford. I love the idea, right? Which is, tw which I think I heard somebody or mouse it back there. 25% um, of your take home pay. Okay. So, right? So Uncle Joel yesterday said the goal would be to live on one income. Okay, that because then you're not required to have both. Okay, um, that I, admittedly, I, that's not what we're doing in our house. Okay, um, and I think it depends. Personally, I think it depends on your situation. I think it depends on what your income potential is. I think it depends on where you're at. But when you look at your budget, if we just keep it, if you look at your budget and you get to decide this individually, you look at your budget. I wouldn't have more than twenty five percent, and that's a rough number, right? And, Total household income, take, yes, you take home, right? Like after taxes, right? So you keep that in a reasonable percentage. Now, that's 27% or 23%, right? But it's it gives you a target, right? A bullseye to aim at. What happens is, is if you become house poor, then it's really hard to live life when all your money is just going into your house. And as the theme of this week really is when we get to Friday about giving, it really then becomes hard when there's somebody who sends you a letter in the mail and they're going on a mission project. You're like, you can't even send them 20 bucks because you barely are making ends meet. Okay. Now, if I were to be clear, to clarify, to be mildly fair to the government, that 45% also includes taxes and insurance. Okay. But um, we're not doing escrow. I'd rather just write that check. Um, so 25% so seems to be a fairly good rule. I, that probably depends on your house and your area. I think that that I think you want to look at it as a grant. Start looking at your budget. If you're not doing a budget right now, start to figure out where you where you want your money to go, and then you play with those numbers, right? Um, what happens is when you start to pay attention, you may find you have too much house for what you can afford because you're having a hard time maintaining it. Um, you may find that you're like, oh, we're we're doing great, right? Like this is a really small percentage of our income. So I think that. I think it's kind of a fluid thing, but I think I would start by starting to pay attention where that money is going and kind of see where that falls um, and see if things make sense and are in balance. Um, let me pull this out a second just to give you, let's see. There is a suggested, read one second here. If you're looking for relative percentages, this is just, you know, one person's opinion. Um, Yes, so housing, 25 to 35% is kind of a you know, recommended range. Utilities, maybe 5 to 10%. Food, 5 to 15%. Transportation, 10 to 15%. Clothing, if you want to look at this afterwards, clothing, a couple percent, right? Um, medical, yeah, a lot of this stuff is 5 to 10%, with the biggest being, um, you have your charitable, right, which... 
for, you know, and, and we know in an Adventist church, we, we function a little bit differently, right? Like that a lot of times is a 10 to 20% discussion, I would say, rather than, a, you know, they're saying 10 to 15. So, um, but see how it's making sense in your family. If you start to, you start to budget and you're like, we put money in this envelope and we're way short or we had a lot extra, maybe we're putting too much, right? And then you can reset that. You could reallocate it. You're not the government. You're not the church. You know, it's not hard to change, you know, line items, right? So you kind of play around with that. I want to, um, I want to tell you a story and then we'll do a little more Q and a, um, so the reason, right, we keep talking about why. Um, so this is Cooper, and we, as we shared, have been um, debt-free. We have insurance. We have we've taken advantage of our flex savings account. I had a leftover HSA. And in May, June of 2015, Cooper was diagnosed with something called a Chiari malformation meaning his brain is too big for his skull. And um, we had come to camp meeting that year, um, finding out that the way that you um, correct this is you actually remove part of his skull, part of the first vertebrae, and you open up the dura matter, which is the, the, the sac that encapsulates the brain and the cerebral spinal fluid and all those kind of things. And... Our first opinion from the neurosurgeon was we could wait because he was fine from a neurological perspective. Could run, jump, play, all of those kind of things. Um, we came to a camp meeting and had him anointed. Um, two of the gentlemen in this room were there. Um, and we prayed that God would heal him so we wouldn't have to go through this surgery. Because what parent voluntarily says, sure, cut into my son's skull, be millimeters away from his brain and his spinal cord. Um, and the surgeon that was telling us this was like, I would wait. So we waited. Got a second opinion, went to U of M, and that surgeon had a very different perspective with a lot more experience and said he needs surgery and he needs it sooner than later. And at that point, we started to share it. We kind of kept this just kind of, close to the chest. Um, I didn't want to go to church every week and have to answer all these questions. And, you know, we were just hoping that it would, would be healed and go away. And so on September 23rd, he had surgery. And they took him from us about, oh, how early was that? Um, eight in the morning. And we saw the surgeon at 4.30 in the afternoon, and I think the rest of the team was still stitching up. We didn't see him until 7.30 that night. Um... His, the day before, she had said that his MRI was more than impressive, and she is the head of neurosurgery at U of M. She's the first female head of any department in the country, and she's, this is just, she's four foot nine, has spina bifida, and is in a wheelchair. Like, this lady is, and there's only 165 pediatric neurosurgeons in the country, right? Like, to do this, you have to be committed. And so they took him from us that day, um... And he came through with flying colors. Now, that, yes, praise the Lord. Now, that surgery was over $150,000, okay? And we would have paid every penny of that. We would have stayed in our 1,400-square-foot condo till I died if I had to, right? Um, and people asked us, do you need help, right? Can, you know, can we give you some money? 
you know, people talked about a GoFundMe account, those kind of things. Now our church rallied around us and gave us meals, which was super beneficial um, and supported us that way. But because we were debt-free, because we had insurance, which I'm forever grateful to my husband's employer, um, that is a real gift, um, and because I had some leftover health savings account money from before when I was self-insured, we had the money to do it. We could afford to pay his medical bills. We could take care of our own family. Now, when six months later I get a bill for $89,000 from the hospital because the hospital and the insurance company couldn't figure it out <laughs> and couldn't get along, we, we had a panic moment, and I said, well... Again, if that means we live in this house forever to pay this bill, we'll do that. Eventually, after lots of calls, and we got them to work it out, and, you know, um, didn't, I don't think we had to pay anything. We'd already, you know, met his deductible and stuff like that. Um, but as I share these stories this week, I, I, one, you can see where God has, has walked us through those things, right? I don't want to miss that point by any means. The freedom and the peace that can come when you're not worried about the financial side of it because we decided to have surgery in August, and I can tell you that month, I was not well. As a mom, I was not well. But I only had to worry about Cooper and getting my affairs in place at work. I didn't have to worry about how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to, how are we going to do this? I didn't want to have to decide on whether or not my son should have surgery because I can't afford for him to do that. Um, and again, not that we, I know we could have had help. I know people would have stepped up, right? Which is, again, what we're getting to. The other side of that point is, what if there is a child in your church or a family? Um, I mean, I see these stories through Facebook of these kids get these, and they have medical bills and they have travel expenses. And what if you could be that family that gets to come alongside and support them because you got there's extra money at the end of the month, and, and you can bless them. And that's that's the whole point. Again, we're talking about being debt free. We're talking about living on a budget, and we're talking about how do we then ultimately, which is what we get to talk about on Friday, how do we ultimately get to give and help others? So, um, so let's take a couple of minutes, and then we'll do some questions. Everyone has their sheets. So, what's your takeaway from today? Again, I want to give you a chance to kind of reflect. Um, does anybody not have that? What might be what might your take takeaway be? Is there anything that you were convicted of today that you're like, I'm gonna go do this one thing when I get home? Um, it doesn't have to be extensive. It could be I'm just going to do this. So we'll give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll have some time to ask some to go through some questions. All right. What, what's your question? Yes. Yes. So her question is about tithes and offerings. That section on our personal budget. So um, yes, we do ten percent for tithe, and then those other areas have be, become part of our systematic giving. Okay. So we personally, we give. Yes, that would be part of the offering, right? So we're and I just put that under one heading on our budget for us. So we then systematically give to church budget. We systematically give to MAP and to world budget. And we have specific amounts. Um, we have percentages that we give to those. I didn't include this. Yes, yep, that we do as offering. Um, and I can tell you, um, a couple years ago, we felt convicted to increase our church budget giving. 
and I had come up with a number, and my husband came up with a bigger number, and I said, okay, let's do that. Um, and as Pastor Jean had shared before we even got started, we, um, we were challenged again, right, with, a, with a, another project, and there's some other things that I feel like this week, like, are we going to add another percentage point somewhere in there, right? Like, those, those numbers keep growing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Your offerings. Absolutely. That's very personal. I just that's where we do it. And I just wanted to give you a copy of what we have personally come up with. Right. You will come up with your own. Right. That fits you. Yes. Did everyone hear the question, by the way? Well, when you pay your tithe off before or after taxes, um, I. Again, this you need to work this out yourself, but I'll tell you this is what I suggest is you do it before you pay your taxes. The reason is this even though you have no choice to pay your taxes, you're paying for services. Okay? So whether it be, you know, locally, government, whether federal or state, um, you are paying for services. You want you want God to be the first. He says the first fruits. He doesn't say the second the first one. So I would suggest if you want the full blessing of God to pay your tithes and offerings off that and then everything else. Because I got confused. I've been asking, you know, I'm from the Philippines. Yeah. And like, basically our income there is like fixed. It's a salary like monthly. But when I got here in the States and I got here and basically we're just uh, I'm around the single income. Mm-hmm. And so I was like reading in the Psalms of Prophets that we have to prepare first. And then I look at my paycheck. And by the way, I'm a nurse. And I look at the paycheck, there's a little federal, state, income tax deduction, and insurance. And this is not right if I would start with the net. Because God wants to be the first. So I look at my cross and then got my my height in there. But I asked my mother, Pastor. He's also confused. <laughs> so he said, maybe you can go for the net, but my conscience, based on the Bible principles, that should be the first. So I started, I've been starting doing the cross, and that is, and then plus 10%. My concept, my conscience is, my convictions, truthfully, is if God requires us 10% of the time, that's my house that belongs to him. Yeah. And if he blesses us, what should I give him to that? <laughs> so I give also, like, I'm, I will match my offering with 10%. And that's what we've been doing, but I was I was not able, like, I separated 10% from my tithe and 10% from my offering. And I come to my husband and say, you have an offering for this, this son that is, like, Texas mission, we're from Texas anyway. And this time, so he will get out from our checking about that special another budget for that. So it's clear that so I was like, I need a clarification for offering because the total amount of two hundred dollars going to be one going for the church or we can split it. Yeah, your your offerings, I mean for my wife and I, yeah, we, we we support a local church, we support math, we support real budget. But then we have a quite a few other areas that ministries. Some of them are independent ministries um, that we, we give on a monthly basis with missionaries. We, we give some, some missionaries. Um, so that, that's all part of the offerings. 
So I don't need to get another person visa. So I no. Can use my yeah, and and you choose how you're convicted, I right? Just, I would like to put this in. Just remember, you need to support your local church, but you also need to support missionaries, okay? Because the local church is only as good as the mission field is. And if we get this congregational mentality, we can very selfish. Where I'm just going to give to my local church and my local church building project. We become selfish, and when we become selfish, we can't be used by God. So you have to have the both. You mix the both for supporting locally, and you need to support world missions in some, some manner. Okay? We need to uh, wrap up. But I want to say one thing, and that is this. Just because you have it doesn't mean you can spend it. Because you have to remember this. It all belongs to the Lord. So, okay, you need, you need, you need, you need shelter, you need a house. It doesn't mean, well, I'm making $600,000 so I can have a mansion. No. Just because you have it doesn't mean you, can, you need to spend it. It all belongs to the Lord. Okay? So it would be better for you to have a modest home, even though you could, you could, you could afford to have a mansion. It's better for you, more, it's a more stewardship responsible way, to say, I'm going to have a modest home, and then I can give more to the Lord's work. Because remember, at the end of the day, you're going to have to give account of every penny how you spent it and you don't want to say well yeah but I had so much this is only 10% of my income God and I could afford this mansion but you didn't need that mansion see what I'm saying so you need to prayerfully consider your spending that I've got to give account so again like a car well yeah I could, I could, I could afford a Ferrari does that mean I should have a Ferrari now that's a that's you have to dialogue for me. No, no, I I can get my my, my used car. And I'll be fine. Though, it's just transportation. Okay? You have to really this this stewardship thing. It's a hard issue, but it's all about relationships. Who you trusting? Are you trusting Christ or you trusting yourself? We need to close with that. Aren't you correct? Dear Holy Father, we thank you so much for all these individuals who have joined us here today. We pray that you will touch their hearts and bless their homes, bless their relationships and, and their marriages as they discuss these things. Or for those of them who are not married, please provide them an accountability partner um, and help them as they go home and, and return to the realities of life that, as, that you will guide them and build that relationship with you foremost and that that relationship will bring them closer to you um, all of us closer to you and, and that our finances and that our monies will be a reflection of that relationship um, and that we will do those things so that we can we can do whatever we can do to, to bring back your soon coming. We ask this in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.